thinking to share with you all, and that is this. I did it! I finally got a haircut after four months! I've transformed from a hideous thing to this glorious man that you see before you today. Well, in case you don't know me, my name is Dan Forrest, and I've been preaching with Jonathan Chan through a series titled Heroes, Villains, and Redemption, where we take a different comic book character each week and ask the question, how can Jesus bring redemption to this person? We've gone through a lot of characters so far, so I encourage you to look back through our archives to catch up on any that you might have missed. Well, today we'll be looking at The Thing, and he's one of the members of the Fantastic Four. You probably don't know much about The Thing, or even the Fantastic Four for that matter. There have been three movies that have been made about them, and they are all terrible, and I would not recommend any one of them to you. But growing up as a kid, uh, Fantastic Four was one of my favorite comics, and I really felt a connection with the thing. Um, I think it's a shame that there haven't been many good movies, that there haven't been any good movies about them, because I think that they have some really great stories to tell. Well, before they became the Fantastic Four, they were just regular people. On the left, you see Dr. Reed Richards. Beside him is his college roommate and best friend, Ben Grimm. Uh, next is Sue Storm. And then Reed's, uh, sorry, Sue Storm, who's Reed's girlfriend. And then finally is Sue's younger brother, Johnny Storm. Reed has been constructing this rocket ship, and the four have decided to finally test it out and go to space. However, as you can see in this panel here, Ben is reluctant to fly the ship because they haven't done enough research into the effect of cosmic rays. After some pressure from Sue, Ben agrees to do it, and they all take off in the rocket. And sure enough, their ship is bombarded with cosmic rays, causing them all to be affected in different ways. Soon after, soon after that, they have a rough landing on Earth, and they discover that their bodies are changing. Sue starts to turn invisible, and everyone freaks out. But then she reappears again. Ben and Reed, they get into this argument with Ben blaming Reed for what's happening to Sue. But then Ben begins to transform into a thick, orange, lumpy, rock-like man. Sue cries out in fear. He's turned into, uh, uh, some sort of a thing. And from then on, he is known as The Thing. Well, there was this terrible Fantastic Four movie that was made in 1994 that never actually got released in theaters. And I found a clip on YouTube from that movie that has this scene right after the ship lands. And the military is there to investigate what's happened, and Ben emerges as the thing. So sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy this little clip. Hey, what's going on? No, he's with my crew! Oh, wow. Ben? What? What do you guys look... Dan? Reed? What have you done? 
Shortly after discovering their secret powers, this group decides to use them for good, and they call themselves the Fantastic Four. Reed Richards becomes Mr. Fantastic, a scientific genius who can stretch and bend his body into any shape that he wants. Sue Storm becomes Invisible Woman, who, who later uses her power to create force fields. And her brother Johnny becomes the Human Torch, able to project fire from his body and fly. And of course, Ben Grimm becomes the Thing, possessing superhuman strength and durability. As I was saying earlier, it, it's a shame that Fantastic Four hasn't been very successful in recent years. It's especially even more painful when we realize the history of the comic. In 1961, Marvel was struggling to be successful, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were tasked with creating a comic to rival and rip off DC's Justice League. And their response was the Fantastic Four, this family of bickering superheroes coming to grips with powers that they never asked, asked for. And you often see them fighting with each other, which is quite unique for superheroes at that time, like in panels like this one. Uh, this unique take on the superhero genre was, was uh, massively successful, and it really was the origin story for Marvel Comics. If it wasn't for the Fantastic Four, we wouldn't have the Avengers, we wouldn't have Spider-Man, we wouldn't have X-Men. But, and now, with these terrible movies, the Fantastic Four is just a joke. But that's actually kind of fitting, because the story of the Fantastic Four is really about what do you do when your normal life, full of potential and success, is taken away from you? For the Fantastic Four, the powers that they are given are certainly a blessing, but they're also a terrible curse, especially for Ben Grimm, who becomes the Thing. This cover really um, covers what the Thing has to deal with more than the others. This man, this monster. The others, they can lead a relatively normal life. They can stop using their powers or they can hide them, but the Thing can't hide his appearance. And this will be a constant theme as Reed tries repeatedly to cure the Thing or give him the ability to switch back and forth, but it always fails. And this is something that Reed and Ben are always fighting about, as we see in this panel beside me. Reed says, Fate has been good to us, Ben. We've been able to use our powers to help mankind, to fight evil and injustice. Sure, it's great for you, but what about me? I'm just a walk in fright, an ugly, gruesome thing. Ben constantly wrestles with self-pity. And you can't really blame him. He looks like a freak. And not only that, he doesn't experience the sense of touch like we do. As humans, we thrive on touch. There's energy that bounces around us when we shake someone's hand or, or when we give someone a hug. The thing can't experience this anymore. And consider what effect this has on all of his relationships. He's an outcast. He's a leper. And along with the self-pity is bitterness and blame. Remember, he didn't want to pilot the rocket in the first place, but Sue and Reed talked him into it. Right from the beginning, Ben blames Reed for making him this way, 
and he won't stop blaming him for it. All these emotions and responses, they go hand in hand. He's justified in feeling this way, but remaining in these feelings isn't going to help him or anyone. I'm sure that we all know people who have embraced this victim mentality, and it seems like all they can talk about is how they've been given the short stick in life, or they find anything or anyone to blame for their circumstances. The most difficult thing about it is if someone is stuck in this cycle of self-pity, often they don't realize that they're in a pit. And I can speak from experience on this. Uh, back in my high school days, I was a real mess. When I was a kid, I, like as a kid, when I was young, I was this really cute kid. And the older girls, they would fawn over me because I was so cute. But then in grade four, I needed glasses and my teeth started to grow in and they're bigger than my mouth could handle. And the girls, they stopped noticing me. And then in grade eight, puberty hit and I was just a complete write-off. Greasy hair, acne, wispy mustache hairs, crackly voice. At that time, I really could relate to the thing. I, I considered myself an ugly, gruesome thing that no girls would want to touch. And to be honest, I was toxic about it and didn't realize. I had a hard time with relationships because for me, it was always, mm, woe is me, I'm not good looking, I can't play sports, I'm not good enough. And really, who wants to hang out with someone who's talking like that all the time? When you get stuck in that cycle of self-pity, you feel like your life isn't complete without having whatever it is that you're lacking. For me, my life wasn't complete without a girlfriend. And I didn't have a girlfriend because of my zits. For me, my life wasn't complete without being popular. And I wasn't popular because I was terrible at sports. I just wasn't satisfied with who I was. The interesting thing about the thing is that there were actually moments when Reed cured him and he was able to be a normal human again. But in those moments, guess what would happen? Ben Grimm would still be unsatisfied because now his super strength would be gone. And this would go back and forth throughout the comics. He has super strength, but he's the thing, so he's unsatisfied. But then he's normal again, and he can touch and all that, but he can't be a hero, so he's still not satisfied. This is the pit of self-pity. Even if you have the thing that you think you need to be satisfied, you're still not satisfied. Because, really when it comes down to it at the end of the day, it's an internal issue, not an external one. And you know, Tony Stark, he captures this with Spider-Man in the movie Homecoming. When Peter's been reckless with his Spider-Man suit, Tony takes it away. And Peter cries out, But I'm nothing without the suit! And Tony gives this great response. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. If you need super strength to feel complete, you shouldn't have it. If you need good looks to feel complete, you shouldn't have it. What we need to feel complete is not the externals, it's what's happening inside. And of course, here is where Jesus and redemption comes in. We find completion in Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul the Apostle knows this all too well, and he expresses this in Philippians 3, verses 7 to 9. But what, what, what uh, sorry, let me say that again. But whatever were gains to me, 
I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Previous to this, Paul thought his external religious zeal, his Jewish lineage, his education, his greater-than-thou attitude would make him complete. But when he met Jesus, he realized that all that was garbage. The only important thing was knowing Christ and being found in him. I'm going to jump ahead of you a few verses to really understand what Paul is preaching here. Let's look at Philippians 3, 18 to 21. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Like the thing and like my teenage self, we can get so easily caught up in the things that we lack with our physical bodies. You know, I'm not happy with my nose, or I'm clumsy, we can't do anything right, or, you know, my muffin top is affecting the clothes I wear and how people treat me. We have all these issues with our bodies, just part of being human. Our lowly bodies will always let us down. And, you know, most of the examples that I've shared so far, they've been pretty shallow. But what about people who can't walk, or people who are blind, or, or those who have brain injuries, or genetic disorders. If we keep our eyes focused on our disabilities, our mind is set on earthly things, and that only leads to destruction. Paul is calling us to focus our eyes past those things to heaven and on to Jesus, who one day will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Remember what Tony Stark says, though. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. I know people who have near-perfect bodies. They have good looks, athletic ability, but internally they're unsatisfied and they're restless. We find our wholeness and our completion in Christ and in Christ alone. The crux of Paul's message to the Philippians is found in chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what is the way out of this toxic cycle of self-pity and blaming others and 
having a victim mentality. Well, it's following Jesus in the way of the cross. It does start with acknowledging, you know, my status in life sucks. Where I am right now is a pit. It's not healthy. It's not helping me. It's not helping anyone. And then the next step is following Jesus to the cross into death. Allowing Jesus to put to death our bitterness, putting to death our unhealthy focus on ourselves, putting to death our need to find completeness and wholeness in earthly things. And after all this putting things to death, finally comes resurrection. And the beautiful thing about this stage is, we have no power on our own to raise ourselves from the dead. It's only by the power of God and through Jesus' resurrection that we can experience new life. If we try to raise ourselves from the dead, it won't happen. We need to let go and trust that in letting go, Jesus will raise us up. We can't have resurrection without the cross and we can't have new life until we've put to death the old life. And this really is an internal, personal decision. If I see my friends wallowing in self-pity, I, I can't change them. I can't do anything to help them. I can only keep pointing them to Jesus and inviting them to let go of their pain and misery, to allow Jesus to be the one to take them out of their pit. The Spirit of God is the only one who can remove those blinders off someone's eyes so they realize their self-pity is getting them nowhere. Well, we also need to point ourselves and others to stories of people who have embraced their physical disabilities and risen above them by the power of God. Consider Joni Erickson Tada. She's written many articles and books about her story and struggle, including a simple article titled, why Joni Erickson Tada praises God for not healing her. Quite the provocative title. Joni was a young, incredible athlete and Christian who broke her neck in a diving accident. And she lost everything in that moment and was quick to blame herself for ruining everything. She wallowed in self-pity and she went to every faith healing service she could so that she could get her body and her life back. It wasn't until she reread the Bible and the story of the paralyzed man healed in Luke 5 that the Spirit opened her eyes to the pit that she was in. In that story, Jesus doesn't first heal the paralyzed man's body. He actually heals the man's soul first by forgiving his sins. Joni in that moment realized that she needed a renovation of the heart before she could even accept healing for her body. And it was her heart that needed healing more than her body. As a result of this, Joni's life was changed. And she writes this, So for the last 50 years in my wheelchair, I've been daily dying to self and rising with Jesus. Dying to self and rising to Jesus. Dying to self and rising with Jesus. My goal is to mortify my fleshly desires so I might find myself in Christ. God has been answering my prayer, exposing dark things in my heart, things from which I need to be healed. Does God miraculously heal? Sure he does, but in this broken world, it's still the exception, not the rule. And no answer to my request for a miraculous physical healing 
has meant purged sin, a love for the lost, increased compassion, stretched hope, an appetite for grace, an increase of faith, a happy longing for heaven, a desire to serve, a delight in prayer, and a hunger for his word. Joni would go on to become an inspirational speaker, an artist. She paints with her mouth, <laughs> an author, and she would be a radio host. Self-pity and blame weren't going to get her anywhere. She needed, and still needs, Jesus' death and resurrection to bring her healing and wholeness. I personally want to know Christ with Paul. I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that I too might somehow experience the resurrection from the dead. As we go from here, that is my prayer for you as well. My prayer that you too might know Christ and the power of his resurrection, that you might join with him in the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that you too might somehow experience resurrection from the dead. Well, I hope you can join us for uh, church on Sunday for some worship and discussion. Uh, take some time to reflect on these three questions before Sunday, as this is what we're going to be discussing. The first question is, what is something about your body that you struggle with? You know, maybe it's something in the past that you don't deal with anymore. Maybe it's something that you still struggle with. But just think about that for yourself. What, what is something about your body that you're not happy with? Um, how have you experienced Jesus shift your focus from earthly things to a heavenly mindset? What are some of the stories of your life in your past when you had your mind just set on something earthly and uh, Jesus just somehow got in there and, and opened, opened your eyes to see um, himself and see heaven and, and see the better way of living? And thirdly, how do you respond when your friends are in a cycle of self-pity or stuck in a victim mentality? I know that's something that I really uh, wrestle with. How do I, what do I say? Um, how do I show love? How do I um, maintain relationships with people that um, are just really struggling with self-pity? I just want to know your responses to that question as well. So blessings on you all, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Looking forward to the discussion and time of worship together. Talk to you later.